Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Bienvenidos, señores y señores, to the Bleed Lows podcast. This episode of the Bleed Lows podcast is brought to you by Ben Online. Ben Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. Everything from the NFL playoffs to pro and co college basketball, UFC, MMA, and more. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. With live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable, Bet Online is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events. So head to the website today and use your or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code Believe B L E A V to receive your rewards. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. And joining us on the Carnesada is the Dean of Sports in Los Angeles. For all, all you Angelinos, you know who this person is. He is the legend, Fred Rogan. Fred, como estas, amigo? You know what? Thank, thank you for having me today. I truly appreciate it, and it is an honor to be on with you today. Well, I, I told Babyface, I said, I, I, I want Fred on because it came as a shock to me that you were leaving NBC. And what I want to clarify is this is not a retirement. I kept hearing, I kept seeing, ah, Fred, Fred Rogan retires, Fred Rogan retires. And I'm just like, but that's not what Fred is saying. So Fred, for our audience, can you please clear it up? This is not a retirement, correct? No, here's the problem. So I stepped away from doing the daily local newscast at NBC. I had done that for now in my 43rd year. And I'm stepping aside from that. Does that mean I'm leaving NBC? It means I'm leaving NBC right now. Um, but I'm not retired because I still produce all of these shows, which I truly love to do. And those shows could end up back on NBC. You know, when something like this happens, it, it doesn't happen three hours before you announce it. So we've known this for a long time. I'm still going to do the shows I produce. I'm going to produce other shows uh, that I may not even be in because I love doing that kind of thing. And we're just going to figure out where they're going to go. I've really been out of work, not doing the news for one day, one day. Last yesterday was the first time in 43 years I have not gone into a TV station to do a newscast. I still do my radio show. Wow. So I'm not retired. I'm still going to be doing the shows I do. So the challenge. Uh, maybe going Rogan, developing some other things. It's just we're figuring out where they're going to go. And that decision should come maybe within two months. And the reason it's going to take that long is I just want to take a break and make a decision. I have these opportunities already. So that's why when I said I'm not retiring, I'm really not retiring from TV. I'm just not doing the news anymore. And, and that's perfect. And so I want to bring this up because... I was on the first season of The Choice, and I'm very thankful to this man. And I'm going to say this, not just because I was a contestant on The Choice, but I, for me, when it came to sports in Los Angeles, it was always Fred Rogan for me. I know that Jim Hill gets all the credit. Jim Hill always gets the first question. 
But to me, when you talk about, hey, I got to watch sports on the news before ESPN and all that stuff, it, it was Fred Rogan. And the the fact that you were so kind to me on that on the choice because man tv let me tell you it was it moved fast and we did those segments <laughs> and you were so encouraging to me the fact that i was the guy showing up wearing lakers jerseys and wearing dodger gear and everybody else is in suits looking professional and fred never once said to me hey uh you know maybe you should uh, be more professional in a way, Fred, I, I felt like you were just saying, dude, just be who you are. So that being said, Fred, why is it important for you? Like you created something like that where you give opportunities. Going Rogan, you have guys come on the show, local guys, you know, that are in sports radio. I feel like you give guys opportunities to be on TV and you don't have to do that. Why, why do you do that? Because above all, when you do what I do and your craft is really production. And again, I'm a producer that did sports, not a sports guy that was a producer. And when you do what I did, you want to put people on TV. You want to give people opportunities. You want to try things. You want to create things because you're doing it for the audience. You know, when you look at local TV, it's different than the network and it's different than a national broadcast. Local TV is for local people. So what I always strive to do was put local people on and give them opportunities. People in your neighborhood, your friends, your relatives, your family, they would watch you because that's what our job is here. You know, you mentioned the great work Jim Hill does and he does a, an incredible job and the barometer of success is longevity. He, he's at the Mount Rushmore of longevity. I always took a different approach. I didn't really focus as much on the nuts and bolts of sports. I tried to do a sports cast for people that were marginally interested in sports. In a local newscast, 30 minutes long, the last thing is sports. And you go, well, of course, they save the best for last. That's not true. They put it at the end because the research indicates fewer people care about sports than they do about the general newscast. So my approach always was, okay, if I go after the hardcore, diehard sports fan, we know what the news research says. It's the smallest percent of the audience. But what if I then refocused and went after the largest percent of the audience, the people that didn't really care? They found it interesting or you could make it fun for them, but they didn't live and die. I decided we would go after this part of the audience instead of this part of the audience. And that's really how we developed what we did at Channel 4. Putting local people on TV, yourself, when we did The Choice, when we do Rogan's Heroes, focusing on high school kids, tomorrow stars today, look at it like this. They'll watch, their friends will watch, their family will watch, their grandparents will watch, their neighbors will watch. As they grow, they'll remember they were on the show, they'll watch, their kids will watch, and you kind of um, regenerate your audience. So that's why I took the approach I did. Alicia, I mean, am I right? I mean, weren't you a Rogan person over a hill? I mean, he's a Hall of Famer. I mean, for Christ's sake. So I yeah. absolutely was and still am a Rogan person. Uh, hey, Fred, I'm glad you cleared up, clarified and cleared up that you were not retiring. And you went straight to the point that I wanted to talk about. Uh, Juan, you brought up 
how he gives opportunities to others. I am one of those that was provided a wonderful opportunity. I got to work with the Dean, Fred Rogan, on his Sunday night show, The Challenge. And Fred, that speaks to exactly what you just spoke of. Um, you were hyper-local before it became this, you know, trendy term in news. Well, my hat is kind of awkward. Um, Your hat looks fine. Uh, thank you. <laughs> always repping, always repping. Um, yeah, you you mentioned high school football. You mentioned a lot of people that would watch because their friends or their coaches or their teams, but also you did local heroes. So that is, again, speaking to what you just mentioned, that was your approach. You were our guy. You are Southern California's guy. And when I got to work on the Sunday show with you, The Challenge, I mean, you legitimized me. Even though I've been working in radio and television in Los Angeles for almost 20 years, the fact that I got to work Sunday nights with you, all of a sudden I'm getting text messages from people, ex-boyfriends, a lot of uh, cousins I didn't know trying to ask, you know, hey, can I come by the set? Or do you guys ever hang out afterwards? Where do you go? And I had to tell them I get up so early the next morning, I didn't get to hang out. But, you know, it was really awesome that you gave me that opportunity. And yes, I, I'm going to be bummed not seeing you daily, but I do know that you are a producer uh, first. And I expect to keep seeing these uh, these shows, these images, these stories of Southern California. So just make sure you're staying in Los Angeles, correct? Yeah, I'll be here. Um, okay. and, <laughs> all right. All right. First of all, Alicia, thank you for doing the show. You were terrific. Um, and, uh, your time on the show came to an end, but you know, I had nothing to do with that. That was right. not on the stage. <laughs> let's, definitely. Let's clear that up. It was not right. you. That was, it was not me. Yeah. I During the lockdown, the no one, no one knew why I right. left and, and I wasn't yeah. given an opportunity to say so. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, that wasn't me. Uh, it was a station decision going in a different direction, uh, in a number of areas. But it wasn't me, and you know that because I put you on it. I thought you did a great job, and people really Thank liked you. You. <laughs> um, you know, when you talk about hyperlocal, I started in Globe, Arizona in radio, and I worked, uh, my first TV job was in Yuma. Then I went to Austin, Texas. Then I went back to NBC in Phoenix, and I ended up here. And the thing you learn when you work in smaller markets is that that is what you have. Austin, Texas had no pro teams. It was the University of Texas. Mm -hmm. Yuma, Arizona was all high school stuff. Phoenix, when I got there, was not a major league town yet. So you focus on local people. When I came to LA, it was a very different market because you had all the pro teams. But I believe because of my training in smaller places, that the best way to talk to the local audience is to put local people on TV. So a lot of the stuff we've done over the years um, has not been something the other stations would have tried. They just don't think that way, and that's fine. I mean, everybody to each their own. But we have done things, and we've approached things in a way that no one else really does because of my training when I grew up in the business working in smaller markets. So I do know you have a connection to Arizona, and that's why I wanted to clarify that you are staying in Los Angeles, and we could look forward to more of your um, productions. And we do get to continue to hear you daily on AM5, or yes, AM570, correct? Correct, correct. That's, I listened to you earlier today. I, I'm gonna be checking, making sure that you're still on there. Yes, <laughs> you see, know here, what I'm here, here's what you have to understand. I started in radio, I was a radio guy that got into TV. 
I wasn't a TV guy that started doing radio. And I, I, my career started in radio in Globe, Arizona, where I was Uncle Fred playing top 40 hits every night and doing the play-by-play of the local high school teams. Then I moved to Yuma, Arizona, and I became Rock and Roll Rogan every day, 10 to 3, another biscuit from the ever-loving of a hits. And, <laughs> and then I did the play-by-play of the local high school team, but they had a TV station in Yuma, and I asked if I could try out to be on. And they said, no, we, we don't let people try out here. You are on. That's how I got on TV. I just asked somebody and they put me on. And I made $5 a night. Uh, and then I moved to Austin, Texas, then back to Phoenix, where I went to high school and elementary school, and then moved out here in, in 1980. Um, I've lived at Channel 4 longer than anywhere I've lived in my life, any house, any city. Uh, but I'm a radio guy. So you said, well, I, I heard you on AM 570. Yeah, because I'm not going anywhere. When yeah. you start radio, if you do radio, or as we call it today, audio, because you can hear it on so many platforms. If yeah. you start in that, that's in your blood. It never leaves you. And it's interesting because it requires more work than TV, mm-hmm. uh, really more focus than TV. Um, I think more creativity than TV. Yeah, All agree. those things are associated with radio. So radio's harder, and it never paid as much as TV. But radio was always my first love. And that's why for a good portion of the time I've been here in L.A., I've also done radio. I'm the only guy that does TV and radio doing local news here. Because it's just part of me, and I love it, and it requires more work. But I'm to a point where if it's fun, I should do it, even if it requires work. So TV was always my job, and people thought radio was my side hustle. Now radio is my job, and TV will be my side hustle. (laughs) Amen. Always growing. And I'm going to round up that whole thought with this. With the emergence of streaming and, you know, YouTube and, and apps, You yourself have seen so much change throughout radio and television. I started in radio myself. What would you tell young people? Because I get asked this question all the time. Where, what do I do? You can't go the traditional route anymore. I shouldn't say can't, but that's not the only way to get a job broadcasting because now it's not even limited to news and radio, which you just yourself corrected as audio. I mean, what would you tell a younger person, uh, should they continue and go to school and get a broadcasting degree? Should they, you know, get their own channel first? And I mean, what what would you tell a young person that wants to be a sports a broadcaster or even a news, a, a storyteller? Yeah, it's tough. It's really tough. You went to USC, right? If I remember correctly. I did, right. Okay. I did right. everything I was told to do. <laughs> right. Okay. So I've had some kids uh, about five years ago come into NBC, a class, and they come in, uh, broadcasting class and they walk around they talk to people and they walked in and they talked to me and you know uh, whoever was doing it said you know this is fred rogan he'll you know give you some tips and i looked at everybody i said okay i can give you tips on how to be really good i can tell you exactly what to do if it was 1997 (laughs) but it's not 1997 so really what we should be doing here is not me telling you is you telling me you Mm -hmm. telling me how you consume media, Mm -hmm. you telling me what interests you, you tell me what it is you want to do. I can't tell you. I I, I could tell you right now, we go back at a time machine and I tell you what, you'll be great. Because here's the, the thing, Alicia, in today's world, 
in the palm of our hand, we have everything we need, all mm -hmm. the information. When I started in local news, the deal was this. There was no internet. There were two newspapers. There were three television stations, three broadcast networks. Every day people would watch the news to become informed. And we had the power, we had the control, we knew everything. We had the AP wire, we had reporters, we had city news service. Nobody had access to that. So you would come to us and we would determine in our mind what was important for you to see. And we would list it in a certain order. What was most important, second most important, third most important. We had that power, we had that control. We don't have that control anymore. No. Because the control is now in everyone's hand. Right. So now there's whatever, Twitter. Yeah. Right, whatever you guys are interested in. Uh, for example, if you're watching local news and you don't live in Acton, but there was a convenience store robbery, you don't care. You don't care. You really don't. You care about what's in your neighborhood. You care about what's around you. You care about things that matter to you. If you're a sports fan, for example, you may really care about the LA Kings. I do. We don't do a lot of it on TV because it didn't translate as well, but I love it. Yeah. Uh, you have all that information in the palm of your hand. You have everything when you want it at the exact second it happens. So what does that mean? It means the relevance of what we do is greatly diminished. So if kids are going into this, if they're going into it, it's a different media world. I know everybody wants their own platform. They want to be an influencer. I'm not sure that's it either. But what I do know is doing what we've done for so many years in the way we do it has decreased in relevancy dramatically. Yes. It doesn't work anymore. No. Our challenge, and for a student that is interested in this, the challenge becomes how do you communicate stories and ideas to people in a form that they want in a timely fashion? What can you do? Here's an example. Instead of going out on the news and saying, this happened today, well, we all know that. That's not a surprise. It's not a shock. If you go on at four, but it happened at 10 o'clock in the morning, it's already old by four o'clock. The news cycle's like this now. Yeah. So instead of going on and, and Joe Smith has the story, thank you, I'm out here and this is what happened. It, no one's going to watch that. Here's what they will watch. Why did that happen? And what does it mean? Everything must have perspective to it. The facts and only the facts. Everybody's got the facts. What can you add? How can you embellish? What can you bring to the table? So that means you have to work sources, know your information, take no shortcuts. Don't offer opinion, but offer perspective. I've talked to a number of people, and here's what it means for you. If I'm a student trying to get into business, that's how I focus today. Tell stories, but always from the perspective what it means to the viewer, what it means to the listener, what it means to the person consuming it. Ladies and gentlemen, the dean. I love it. I'm gonna tag that Please. and make sure I post oh, that. Come on, sure. come on. And and so one, we we are the uh, only Latinos. We we pride ourselves on being the Latinos who speak to the Dodger fans across the globe. Okay, we focus on the Dodgers and the Dodger experience. I would say that sports is is the only thing that is still must see television, right? Like the people want to consume it live. So. I think that is is helpful if somebody is looking for, you know, their niche or, or whatnot. But 
Speaking of, I think we should talk a little Dodgers, right, Juan? <laughs> That's right, uh, Fred. We we gotta we gotta hear your opinions. I know we can hear them on five seventy, but I have some pointed questions for you here. All right. Which so we keep hearing there's going to be a youth mo- movement. They didn't sign anybody, right, to give these guys a chance. So of these young guys, who do you think is going to make an impact this year? I don't know. <laughs> and I'll be honest with you. I don't know. Look, here's the thing. When you look at the Dodgers, and it's funny because, you know, we're all prisoners of the moment and we all get very spoiled. And I heard during the offseason, well, the Dodgers are cheap. They're not spending any money. You know, two years ago, they were the biggest villains in baseball because they spent more money than anybody. You can't go from being one of the biggest villains to cheap. They're running a business. They're operating a business. And a good business replenishes itself. They spent a lot of money in scouting and development to build that farm system, to keep the pipeline going. Because their business model is not to sign. They signed Mookie and they signed Freddie Freeman. That's not the real business model. You don't want to go out and sign a guy for 12 years. The Padres signed three guys for 12 years. It's a loser. It's a bad proposition. It's bad business because there's going to be a point of diminishing returns. So you have uh, Gavin Lux. He's going to get the shot at shortstop. Give him the shot. Give him the shot. I thought he hit the ball well last year. Give him the shot to play shortstop. I read that Miguel Vargas is going to play second base. A third baseman by trade, they're going to put him at second base. Give him a shot. They love him. They love the guy in the minors. He's one of the top prospects in baseball. Put him in. We'll see see James Altman again. Okay. You know, everybody's, well, these guys are so young. Well, they're only going to get older by playing, and they have to play to improve. You know, the Dodger farm system is stopped. So, You know, in life, it's not how much money you have. It's how you spend your money. The Dodgers invest in scouting and development. It's not like they've taken everybody on the roster and thrown them out in the street. And who the hell are these guys? (laughs) The players are still there. They've just a few new players that they're going to mix in and start bringing in the young guys. I hope Lux has a good year. I hope Vargas is everything they say he is. And I hope Altman performs as he did in a very short time in his first go-round here. But I would caution you, when you're dealing with young players, you know how baseball works, right? First time around, if you're a hitter, you'll get the pitchers. If you're if you're a professional hitter and a very good prospect, you'll get the pitchers. You'll get them. Cody Bellinger, got him. The next time around, the pitchers adjust to you. They'll probably get you. Okay, so now it gets real. You got them, they got you. What are you about? Do you have the ability to adjust? And if you do, you're a bona fide big leaguer. And if not, you were a very good prospect that didn't make it. And there you have it. So we're going to be respectful of your time, Fred. We want to end the show uh, with some rapid fire questions here on the Carnesada. We like to call these our kickback questions. So uh, who has a hotter seat, Andrew Friedman or Dave Roberts? Do either one of the seats have to be hot? I feel like Andrew Friedman has taken a lot of heat this offseason that I have never seen him take before. And I, to me, it seems like the fans are angry. Okay. I understand what you're saying. Um, I would say this for the rapid fire. Honestly, neither is on the hot seat. Neither one is on the hot seat. Uh, which one was sadder, Fernando Mania ending or Justin Turner leaving the Dodgers? Oh. 
Fernando Mania ending and Justin Turner leaving the Dodgers was a, a stab in the heart. Mm-hmm. But, but Fernando Mania, look, Fernando Mania captured the imagination of the entire country. And also at that time, really did more than anything to increase the Latino fan base going to Dodger Stadium. I mean, the Dodger fans are, are I would say, more Latino than not. Mm-hmm. And Fernando was a big reason for that. And, you know, it's funny when you look at fan bases, Dodger fans are very loyal, very loyal. And they live and die their team and they bleed Dodger blue. And they're very family oriented, you know, just like the fan base, very family oriented. And that's how people bring the Dodgers into their hearts. They look at them as part of their family. Yeah, Generational. Um, (laughs) Will number 34 ever be retired at Dodger Stadium? Will number 34 ever be retired at Dodger Stadium? Do you think number 34 will be a Hall of Famer? No, but they don't give out the number. And he's a Hall of Famer in what you just said right now, Fred, the cultural impact that he had. Because that stadium sells out because of what you just said. The Latinos. To this day, I see more Valenzuela jerseys out in the Palenque, you know, out there than (laughs) I do any other. So the fact that this rule, and I get it, it's going to open a can of worms because then all the Steve Garvey fans come out. Well, then number six needs to be retired. (laughs) And it's like, look, Garvey was great, man. But Fred just said it the cultural impact and maybe if you're not latino you don't get it but you seem to get it fred no i i think if you live here you get it if you've lived here for any period of time you certainly get it here's the thing with the dodgers you got to be in the hall of fame that's how they do it would i were to okay okay how about this how, he doesn't have a statue no no how about they give him a statue i think that would be more fitting the, Give the him statue. A statue. And and I and I would advocate for that. Okay, two two more, Fred. Would Tommy Lasorda ever survive being a manager in today's baseball? Absolutely. <laughs> um, absolutely. He'd go tell everybody to screw off, but he would certainly survive. <laughs> he'd be a great character. Yeah, he'd survive. He he was so much fun. Yeah, he'd survive. You but don't he, think you they'd know, cancel he, him? You don't think they would cancel Tommy for <laughs> Tommy saying something that F bombs? Yeah, you, know, you want to know what's really funny about that? And, and I can't explain it. I cannot explain it. And I'm sure you guys get this. There are certain people that could say something and be canceled like that. And for whatever reason, and maybe it's their, their personality, their makeup, their demeanor, there are people that could say anything and people would laugh hysterically. And, I, you know, and they're saying the same thing. Yeah. Some people can get away with it for whatever reason. And some people can't get away with it for whatever reason. The best advice is don't try it. But I think Tommy Lasorda was a guy that could have gotten away with it. Last one, Fred. For over 40 years, you've been here in L.A. Here on the Bleed Lows podcast, we're about the Dodgers. We're about L.A., but we're also about the tacos, Fred. So we need to know what is your favorite taco and where do you go to get that taco? Oh, see, that's tough. That's tough. That's tough. Uh, where I live, there's an Ernie's Tacos. I love those. Uh, I, I love a carne asada taco. Love that. Um, we eat tacos all the time. Uh, Don Cuco's, 
I think by where I live, because I live in the Valley, is outstanding. Uh, Casa Vega, right? <laughs> oh, it's I great. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Dark. When you go in there, don't trip. It's dark. Right. You have to sneak around in there. But the I food is it. terrific. Uh, at Danny Trejo makes great tacos. I mean, look, I've lived here 40 years. I had a lot of tacos. I had a lot of tacos. <laughs> And, and there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. I am so grateful that the Dean came on. We're going to miss seeing you on TV, but we have 570. We get to listen to you and Rodney every day. Uh, I appreciate that you guys are on a Dodgers-owned radio station, partially owned, excuse me, but right. you still call it the way it is, Fred. And I, I can see that sometimes that can be difficult, blurring the lines, right? Hey, man, you're being a little too... I mean, you're a guy who hosted a show with TJ Simers, so I mean, you're you're an expert at navigating that. Actually, last one before I let, I promise, last one. I need just need to know: Do you ever? You are the greatest straight man to Petros, and to me, there is no better example of how brilliant you are, because you made that choice and that you said the way this is going to work is if I'm the straight man. If I try to compete with him, it's not going to work. But is there ever a time where you just want to tell him to shut up? Okay, fair question. Fair <laughs> question. Um, the, the thing is this, and it goes back to what I said a while ago. I'm a producer. I only care about the product, truly. I only care about what people see or hear and how they react to it. If they react well, we have a good rating, I get paid. If they react really well, we get a better rating, I get paid more. So when the challenge was constructed, I did it the first season by myself. I looked at the numbers. And I wanted us to get a little younger. Now, Petros and I had done radio together back at the ticket, 1540 the ticket. That's how we met. And we developed this bizarre chemistry where <laughs> I would play the straight man to what he says. But if you watch me in other scenarios, I'm the Petros character in other shows. <laughs> so Johnny Carson, the great Johnny Carson said, the best host makes the guest the star. I understand that the chemistry that Petros and Hot Petros and I have together is is hard to create and it's unique and it works. It requires mutual respect, an understanding, and then you have to trust each other while you're out there. Uh, have I ever wanted to tell him to shut up? No. Have I ever given him like the stink eye? Yes, I've done that. <laughs> there you go. Alicia, any closing thoughts for the deed? No, just wanted to give you a big hug and, and remind everybody that they can also listen to your show on your podcast, right? You want to tell people how to find it? iHeartRadio app. Download the free iHeartRadio app. Stream the show wherever you go. AM570 LA Sports. You can listen to the show live every day. And if you miss any part of it, feel free to podcast Rogan and Rodney. Kevin will put it up the minute we get off the air at 3 o'clock every day. And there yeah. you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the Dean. Thank you very much, Fred. Appreciate your time. <laughs> Love Thanks, you. guys. I appreciate being on. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and a big thank you once again to the Dean of Sports here in Los Angeles, Fred Rogan. Uh, Fred Rogan has has played an important part in, in a couple of uh, people's lives on this show. Alicia, how, how was it seeing uh, Fred after your time on the challenge? Oh, it was, you know, Fred was always good to me. Fred was always supportive. <laughs> But had, like you said, just friendly, approachable. He's been doing this for so long. You know, when I'd get upset or emotional or think something just had to be done immediately or whatever my situation was, Fred was just always chill. 
just always chills because he's been doing it and he's very secure in his place in the world. And from that, it helped me chill out kind of like, okay, it's never as bad as it seems or it's not, you know, he was just a great professional to work with, always so supportive. And I loved working with him and Petros. And one, I love that you brought that question up to him, to Fred. About- so you know what I'm talking about, yes, right? Because <laughs> Petros, Petros is an overpowering figure because Petros just doesn't care. Like Petros right. will say whatever comes to your mind. And if you watch that show, you just see Fred will shut up and let Petros do his thing. And look, Alicia, you're you're a pro. You know this better than any. I think there would be other people who maybe weren't as secure or confident as Fred Mm -hmm. who would try to fight for that limelight, right? Right. Well, Fred answered that so correctly when he said that they trust each other. They both, I'm assuming, no. I mean, I was there even off the... Oh, man, I wish we could have... I wish what was said even off camera would have made it to camera, but then we'd all probably get in trouble. So <laughs> it was great to see that how they are on camera is actually, you know, it's toned down, but not by much. Petros is just that fun guy. And he does say, that was great what you just said. He does say whatever he wants. And that in itself, it was also inspiring to me to see these two guys who are LA sports. I mean, and I went to school I didn't, I wasn't friends with Petros, but I was at USC and they, you know, Petros does not hide from this fact. They were one of the worst football teams in all of USC football history. And I was there for that. So I have like a, a love for both of them in both different ways, but they both are very inspiring, especially to someone who wants to work in sports. And um, I just came around at the wrong time. I missed this influx of allowing women of all shapes, sizes, and colors to be in sports. I came out at the wrong time. So we'll see what happens, but I, I I miss Fred. I should have just said that right away. It was great. You know, I also did some radio with him too, you know, just guest hosting on uh, AM570. And he and Rodney are the same. Rodney will poke Kevin figures. You you guys listen, he pokes at Fred too. And they all, they all have a respect and this trust where they know what line not to cross. But the line is, you know, there is, it's very faint. They, they talk about each other in many different ways. That's some, like you said, a lot of people couldn't handle it. I don't think the way they do it well. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Babyface, what, what are your thoughts on the Dean? I mean, in particular, like, I know that Jim Hill gets a lot of love in this town. Every time Jim Hill's at a press conference, he always gets the first question. And I thought Fred did a very good job of, you know, explaining to us the difference between him and and Jim Hill. But for me, Fred Rogan was always the sports guy of L.A. It it wasn't like I know Jim Hill's never going to come on the show now. But for me, (laughs) it was just Rogan. I always thought and maybe it's because I watched NBC more. But for me, Fred Rogan was the sports guy in L.A. Well, does Jim Hill always get the first question because Fred isn't there? I mean, well, I mean Fred I, I, doesn't go there. But... Yeah, I mean Fred. I mean, yeah. but yeah, but but I mean, what you're saying, Fred is, Fred is like you said, he's one of those guys too. Like when when I thought about, you know, you'd watch the local news when when that's all you had was local news, right? Two, four, and seven, right? I'd be watching Channel Four, right? At you know whatever it was four, five, six, eleven o'clock, and then and then Fred would come out come out like what eleven twenty five, like you said, he, it's always the last. But you'd, you'd kind of stay up for it because they'd be 
they'd be, you know, hyping it up till the end, right? This is what's coming up on sports. And you'd watch it. You'd stay up to watch, you know, Fred Rogan on, on Channel 4. So that's, that's like I said, those are the guys I remember, you know, Jim, you know, Jim Hill on two, you know, Fred Rogan on four. Um, you know, so that is one of my memories growing up. And, you know, you know, to see him, you know, now leave Channel 4. Yeah, it's, it's going to be different now, you know, and getting old. <laughs> Go ahead, I Alicia. Story, and I was going to bring it up, but I didn't want to. Now who cares? I see. I still have that limited mindset from doing news in the era where they owned your ass. Um, because we all watched Fred, my dad included, big fan. We're at Dodger Stadium many years ago, opening day. I worked for another station, not NBC, and that other station has a sports figure in this town. I will not name him. You can guess who you want. I've only worked in Los Angeles though. So, um, my dad asked me, "Hey." That's Fred. Do you know Fred? And I was like, well, I don't. Again, this is before I worked with Fred, ever met him, anything. I go over, I said, big friends, my dad, can you take me? And he's like, hey, you're Alicia Del Val. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he knew my name, A, huge, right? I'm just like, so excited. And then he's like, of course. So there we are. Fred's actually like suited up still, like he was probably broadcasting from there leading up to opening day. Me, my dad, Fred Rogan, take a picture. I posted on Facebook. This is before Instagram and Twitter. I got in trouble at the station for posting that picture with Fred and writing nice complimentary things about Fred and, and speaking on how much, how influential he was as a sports icon in Los Angeles. Oh, I had to take it down. I had to take the post down and I got scolded and I was never, I, it intimidated me to ever post anything about Fred, even though by then we are now friends and stuff, colleagues, you know, Laker games, Dodger games, Kings games. Um, but I was, you know, scolded into not posting anything about Fred anymore. But that's like how huge he is that other guys at other stations who do sports did not appreciate that. <laughs> No, uh, look, I, I know this is going to sound like a ball washing session of Fred Rogan, but what, when I saw, I mean, it really came as a shock Petros. to me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a tribute to Petros. But That's when I idea. saw that Fred was leaving NBC, it it really came as a shock to me. Like, I know a lot of people were leaving NBC, a lot of the news anchors, a lot of people in the news were leaving. But when I saw that Fred was leaving, it, it came a little bit as a shock to me. And it's not like Fred and I are homies and we hang out all the time. But he, this guy did help me a lot. And when I like and he's done it on two occasions, when I made my documentary on the Dodgers Blue Revolution, where I met Babyface, that's how I met Babyface. Fred had me on the show and to help me publicize uh, the, the movie. And everything that he says about putting local people on, that's true. That's 100% true. 100%. He, is not, he is not BSing. And right. my experience on, on that choice, like when I auditioned for it, they ranked the 16 uh, contestants. And I was the 16 seed. I went up against the number one guy. And I remember we filmed it and I was so thrown off. I showed up wearing my Dodger shirt. And, and I mean, this was, I'm not like Fred laughed when I said this, I was the only one wearing sports gear. Everybody else was in a suit and tie looking professional, right? And I showed up there in my Dodger shirt and you know, we, we did it. I competed against the guy 
and we finished and Fred just put his head down and he just said, I wish they wouldn't have put you two against each other. Now you can go in there and read into it as much as you want because he was a Mexican kid against a black guy or that it was a one versus a 16 seed. But the rest of the of the chart, let's just say, did not have a lot of color on it, right? But Fred was, he what, was- What's changed? I'm just <laughs> But Fred was a professional. He never, even though he said that to me, he never chose sides. He never was, you know, trying to push his own agenda. He was just doing what was best for the show. And Alicia, you will probably speak to this better than anyone. Television is so fast. When yes. we filmed that segment, it wasn't like, okay, if you mess up, well, let's go ahead, let's redo it. It was like, that's what we got in the can because the show's going on. And it, you just don't have time to, to think. So it gave me a lot of appreciation for you guys. It's you on-air talent, Alicia. But for me, <laughs> I, I wanted to have Fred on the show because I, I did want to pay tribute to, to the guy. And I know it's not over. Like he said, he's going to be producing stuff and he has his radio show. But guys like him and the importance that he played, especially before ESPN blew up, and this is where, where we were getting our sports from, uh, I, I just, I'm glad that we were able to at least share with him and, and get to hear from him. And maybe hopefully you guys get to see a side of him that you don't see if you listen to his radio show or you watched him on the news. Yeah, <laughs> I, if, if we would have had more time, we, we could have even gotten into other sports, yeah. You know, he has seen so many changes, not just in the industry. And, and I hope young people, I'm going to make sure we clip that part, especially because I get asked all the time, you know, what should I do? Where can I? And I'm just like that. He explained it so perfectly that young people and what they consume is how everything is going. But I did want to bring up how sports is the last, if not one of the last uh, products that need to be consumed live yeah and so that is different than all other everything else you can look up you can look up a show of mine for, on youtube from you know 2014 but no one really no i mean the diehards will go back and see you get what i'm saying everybody yeah. wants sports now and that so i was surprised that fred was leaving and that announcement came and then my phone started blowing up and they're like why is fred leaving and i was like i no, like <laughs> I was like, you're telling me I wasn't watching or on Twitter or anything. And then that's another thing. Twitter back in the day, it was not the news source it is now. So everything's changing. And it would have been fun to talk to Fred about other things going on in L.A. sports, because we are one of the meccas in this country for sports. Two teams minimum in all the major sports and winning. Right. And even if we're not winning there's always drama. I mean, it's so awesome to be in L.A. and have so much to talk about. I don't know, Juan, maybe you should hit up Fred for a, a show. Pitch him something. Maybe Fred can uh, produce the Bleed Loves podcast there, Roger. Hit him up on hey. that. Yeah. So you, so what you want to get, you want, you want to get rid of me? Is that what you're saying? No. I'm <laughs> just saying. Yeah, Fred, Fred wants to be behind the scenes. Exactly. Fred would be the executive producer. You would be the producer. And if you don't know the difference between those two roles, Alicia will teach a class on that later on. <laughs> One is the money. <laughs> yeah, she gets it. And the other is like Booker, managing yeah. talent, okay. um, how to spend the money, you know? Like <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
I was just going to touch on, on what you said, like him having local people on. Um, I mean, it's a story for another day, right? But I mean, he had me on when that home of court stuff was going down. Yeah. Like Fred is one of the guys that I went and I sat down with and I talked and I went in the studio. He had me on. We talked. And like you said, it was just he had me on. He started talking and then we'll cut out whatever. And then just it just went by. So, you know, he, he was looking out for, you know, what was going on in the community, what was going on with the Dodgers back then. And, you know, like I said, just having having local people that telling their story, he was one of those guys. And yeah. look, for those of you, you know, sometimes we have longer time with our guests. Sometimes we have a very short window. I, I would love to have had more time, like Alicia said, with Fred, because I, I wanted to have a longer conversation with him because I want to get your guys' opinion on this. The fact that he said Valenzuela will get a statue before they retire the number, I've always thought that that's a way the Dodgers are going to try to placate the fans. They won't retire the number because he's not going to get into the Hall of Fame, but we'll give you a statue. So we already have Jackie Robinson. We have Koufax. Is there a possibility that Valenzuela is going to be the next statue? And what do you guys think? Is a statue satisfactory to not retiring his number? Well, can I go first? Um, go ahead, Alicia. Go ahead. I do not think it is satisfactory. But do I want a statue? Yes. You want right? both, like, right? I want both. And I I totally get what you're saying. I totally see the Dodgers using this statue to appease or hold mm -hmm. off those of us. Because it is growing, Every uh, pretty much every fan, every fan we've spoken to as the Bleed Blows uh, podcast, every uh, guest we've had on the Bleed Blows podcast has confirmed yes, Fernando's number should be retired. So it's it's management, and I'm sorry, is now not the time that we are seeing. Sometimes rules are meant to be broken. Just because one thing is the way it is doesn't mean it's the right thing, right? It yeah. doesn't mean. It should just stay that way. We're seeing time and time again that, hey, let's take a look at this rule or this law or whatever. It just doesn't make sense. We're going to do it what we think is right, what we think is because Fernando is not just any player. And and Fred did admit that part, right? Right. But yeah, so I want this statue, but yes, retire that number. <laughs> but this is a guy who lived through it, right? Like, right? It, it, this is a old white Jewish dude, yeah. okay, who probably, I get it, he's from Detroit and he didn't see Koufax, right? But an old white Jewish dude is telling you, hey man, what was sadder, Justin Turner or, Valen or Fernando Mania ending? And he's telling you Valenzuela and he's telling you everything we tell you, mm -hmm. that that stadium is run by Latinos. Yes, he and did the, say that. Yeah, he said that. Go back and watch the tape. Dodgers won't admit it, but Fred confirmed it. And he's the uh, dean. Exactly. He's the dean. <laughs> Babyface, would you be happy with a statue in lieu of them retiring his number? Yeah, I think the same thing. Um, in lieu of, no. I mean, I think both. It should be both, right? Jackie and, and Koufax both have our retired numbers and statues, right? So I think yeah. I think it's it's both. It's kind of like. He gets his number retired and he gets a statue. I think you got to do it, right? I mean, he has a statue in with the Chados, right? In, in Mexico, right? He has a statue yeah. there at in front of their stadium. And in, he has in his number. In Mexico, 34 is retired, retired across, yeah. the, across, whole across the league. 
Yeah, I so, meant to tell that to Fred. Thank you. <laughs> so, so I mean, they know what Fernando meant, right? And, and that's the thing too. When when we post stuff, we'll put you know, retired thirty four, right? We'll bring that up. We'll put that on social media. The first thing we get is he's not a Hall of Famer. Yeah, and he's exactly. not going to get. And we know that we know he's not a Hall of Famer, <laughs> and we know he's not going to get into the Hall of Fame by his numbers alone. Yeah. But this is a special case. This is, like you said, this is cultural. Right. Fernando changed the game for Mexicans and Latinos in the in the 80s. He changed the game. He brought fans out that weren't coming out. He he made an impact. People even said he, he changed the game across the league, not just in L.A. He yeah. changed the game across the yeah. league. That's what merits his number to be retired. It, it, it has nothing to do with what he did on the baseball field. It's what he did outside of the, for fans. That's why his number should be retired. I go, I go back to when we had Danny Trejo on. Mm-hmm. What did he say about Fernando? Before Fernando played baseball for the Dodgers, he did not give a shit about baseball. Um, I'm, re, I'm re-quoting him, but basically he said that. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. Look, I can't think of a more white person. No one comes whiter than Dale Murphy, right? <laughs> Dale Murphy on the show played for the Atlanta Braves. When we talked about him, not only was he, when we asked him the Fernando question, not only was he surprised that the number was not retired, but he proceeded to tell us how legit Fernando mania was, not just in LA, but in Atlanta and everywhere you played. So I I know we're going to start hearing the, we're going to get these responses because we, every time we bring this up, we always get it. Well, Garvey, what about the infield? We'll retire this and retire that. Guys, (laughs) this is not, we are not saying that this number needs to be retired in strict baseball terms. We are talking and, and, and I know probably a lot of people, God, you guys need to let this go. You guys harp on this. And it's like, look, history repeats itself. Right. When you look at Julio Urias pitching at Dodger Stadium, there is an older group of fans that see Valenzuela when they see Urias out there pitching. And if you if we ever get Urias on the uh, on the on the show, I'd love to ask him, are you pitching because maybe your dad watched Fernando Valenzuela or are you pitching because somehow you were inspired by this left-hander, Fernando Valenzuela. That impact, that is what we're talking about here. And, and, that's, and that's just something that I just feel, the reason why we talk about it is because if we don't talk about it, it will be forgotten. And that would be a shame because there's some people who, that still don't know the story of Chavez Ravine and the irony of what happened when they built that stadium and how they ran off Latinos, and it was Valenzuela who brought Latinos back to the Dodgers. And that's why we talk about it, because it's important to have that history. It's important to know that these things happen so it doesn't happen again. It's the reason why Mookie wears that shirt saying he wants more black people playing baseball, because it's important to Mookie, right? And and that's that's the reason why we talk about these things, right? Well, I mean, I'm I'm thinking that sounds like we should start a campaign. <laughs> the, the campaign has already been started. Anybody who watches it, oh, these guys, man, are with their Valenzuela already. 
but well, uh, we're definitely talking about it and we, we bring it up on all of our podcasts and I'm grateful to you guys for that. But I don't know, like maybe we need to make it an official campaign, make, you know, start, throw up a site, make an app, uh, find a leader, find, you know, we've had a lot of an amazing, amazing guests on our podcast and maybe ask one of them to lead it for us, to, to lead the charge and be the face of the podcast. Maybe we could hear from some of our viewers who actually agree with us. And um, our, there you our go. There you well, go. Alicia is like- taking applications. Hit up Alicia on the socials. Let them know if you want to volunteer for this campaign. Right, Alicia? Right. They could join the team, be on our team and get the word out. Maybe we need Babyface to to throw on, you know, throw up a shirt, some stickers. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, water bottles, flasks. I don't care. <laughs> like, let's get this going. The season's starting. Dodger season is coming. And, um, you know, Fernando, this might be his last year with the Dodgers. His contract really? is up. Yes. I did not know that. That I hope that wasn't. Uh oh! <laughs> Breaking news, everybody! Breaking news. Well, I mean, wouldn't that be crazy? In back-to-back well, years, you him. lose. But I mean, <laughs> wouldn't that be crazy? In back-to-back years, you lose Harin, and then you lose Valenzuela. Let me double check on that. I, I don't remember. <laughs> I was under the impression, just from conversations with people who work at the Dodgers, that this is his last year. On, on contract. It doesn't mean he's going to leave. Yeah, but I mean, they work, they work on contracts all the time, right? Two years, three years. So, yeah. yes, it, he could be in the last so, year of his contract, ready to renew for the next season or whatever. So, but just to clarify, we're not leave. putting that out there. Yeah. Right? <laughs> right. But, but, but because, because I too have worked on contract, it, it also means if they don't want you back or they don't want to give you the money or what, there are things that could go wrong when you're not on your contract when you are renewing that's all. or or another team could come in and be like hey last year your contract you want to come Would over to dare san diego or those no no <laughs> don't even put that in the universe baby face there we go all right so to wrap things up any last thoughts on on the dean on fred rogan from you guys i'm just so happy for him that he it sounds like this is on his um you know, this is his making. He said himself, he wants to relax. It is a daily grind. And to be on television, you it's a lot of this, right? <laughs> you know, your hair, your groomed, your suits. Uh, there's a lot that goes into it. And you, and just because you start at a certain time, you're there for hours. And I've met his beautiful wife. She is a freaking hoot. She's so fun. His kids are awesome. Um, he'll probably have more time to travel and watch his son play, you know, visit his daughter. Like she's out of state. So I'm happy for him. I wish him the best of luck and I can't wait to see, you know, what he, I can't wait to see one's show on the Fred Rogan uh, <laughs> channel. You mean the Bleed Loves podcast presented yeah, by Fred right. Rogan? <laughs> Babyface, you get the last word. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be great working under Fred, so I'm excited. <laughs> so, so there you have it. So for those of you who had not subscribed to the podcast, what are you waiting for? Subscribe to the podcast. Also, if you've stumbled across us on the YouTube page, subscribe real, to the YouTube. Real quick, we buried the lead. What is that? The the Remember the ratings came out yesterday and I showed you what we were talking oh, about? Oh, that, 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 that is true. If you haven't, uh, check out the socials. We're blowing up in Armenia. 
Uh, yeah, I, you know, for those of you who have been loyal listeners, you knew that we blew, we blew up in Israel. But guess what? Now we blew up in Armenia. We are in the top five podcasts in Armenia. And who knew that there were so many Baltimore Orioles fans in <laughs> Armenia? All the podcasts ahead of us in Armenia are all Baltimore Orioles. Is there a, an Armenian that plays for the Baltimore Orioles? Is that what's, what's going on here? I don't know. I'm going to have to look at their roster. We have to look it up. <laughs> but either way, our our primos, our Armenian primos love the Bleed Loss podcast. So thank you to Armenia. Thank you for supporting us. We appreciate your continued support. That being said, subscribe to the YouTube channel. We got specific YouTube content. We have a recent interview with Jay Altman. We have a great interview that's been getting a lot of reaction. Have you noticed all the Japanese fans that started following us after our interview with Sam Bloom about how the Angels neglect the Spanish pro, uh, Spanish language broadcast? I mean, broadcast. That's on our YouTube channel. So there's more reasons. Not only can you catch and you can look at our beautiful faces on YouTube for our weekly podcast episodes, but we have specific YouTube content that you will get only if you're subscribed to the YouTube channel. So, yo he sido su servidor, Juan Ramirez, de parte de mis colegas, Alicia Del Valle, Babyface Roger. Nos vemos para la próxima. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.